They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast. With your host, Juan Ayala. You talk about Bigfoot experiences, you talk about haunted locations chasing ghosts you talk about extraterrestrial encounters whether it's a a sighting of a ufo or potentially somebody having an encounter with extraterrestrial biological entity there's a number of things that, that seem to flow between those different types of experiences you know you go out in the woods and one of the things that bigfooters always talk about and try to elicit a a response from them with is tree knocks you're whack whack But the thing is, if you go out into the woods and you pick up a large branch and you swing it and you hit a tree with it, it's never going to sound like what the sound they make. If you want to make a sound that's very close to what you hear them do, you pretty much have to have like two hardwood bats and clank them together as hard as you can. That's the sound that you're getting when you hear a tree knock. Maybe it's not a tree knock. Why do I say that? When people investigate haunted locations, how often do you hear We heard knocks on the wall. We heard knocks. What if that knocking noise? What if the sounds of scratches on the, you know, that you don't see scratches on the wall? What about all this electronic interference that people say happens? What about malfunctions in your cameras, malfunctions in your battery-operated equipment that you take on these things? What if these are all peripheral effects of being around these things? when they are entering or exiting our perceivable reality. Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. Happy New Year, wherever you are. This is six days into the new year. 
I don't know when this will be out, but it'll be out. And I am joined by Eric Salaji from the Uncomfortable Podcast, one of the podcasts that I listen to about the paranormal and weird stories and all that good stuff. What's up, Eric? Hey, Juan. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you, thank you for coming on, bro. I, I, want, I was telling you that I wanted to branch out and I wanted to talk about I want to talk about different things on my logo on iTunes. I have a Bigfoot in there, have a UFO in there, but I talk more about the occult, mm-hmm. magic, conspiracies. I talk more about that stuff and I want to branch out. This is a new year, new year, new me. So I got to, yeah. I got to start doing <laughs> new things. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what got you started and about your podcast and all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, you know what? Started late in life. Life. Uh, Fifty-seven years old. I started uncomfortable podcast when I was uh, fifty, fifty-six, fifty-five, fifty-five. Um, been going at it just about two years. February fourteenth will be the two-year anniversary, and uh, you know it's just always been something that I've been interested in. UFOs started as a obsession, honestly, back when I was about five. Um, I can, I can pinpoint it to that because, uh, I remember the release of a movie called the chariots of the gods, and that was released in 1970. And I was so over the, I was just ape shit about UFOs. So I begged and pleaded with my parents to take me to see it and they wouldn't, they wouldn't take me. So I ended up up having my, uh, my grandmother take me on a day that she babysat for me. And, uh, you know, Bigfoot came in, uh, Probably about, eh, probably about ten or eleven. Um, I remember going to the library, finding a, a book, and it, half the book was about the Loch Ness monster, half the book was about Bigfoot. And uh, I remember seeing a, a, a still frame from the Patterson Giblin film in that book. So you know that that got me going. Bermuda Triangle, um, just everything and anything that was weird and you know later on in life started having some uh um some experiences that you would consider to be ghost experiences uh, after the passing of my dad and you know it's just always been something that i'm interested in and i i constantly would have you know ghost adventures or ghost hunters or um, ancient aliens or, you know, uh, UFO files or something like that was always on my TV. And, you know, even my kids were kind of like, come on, dad, you know, <laughs> can we watch something else? And, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a passion, I think, uh, to be honest with you. And it's something that I realized, the number of times that I would bring stuff up like this, whether I was at a party or out on a date or, you know, talking to a friend or whatever. And then you get the eyes rolling and everybody's like, Oh man, you don't believe in that stuff. Do you? And that's like, yeah, you know what I do. So, um, like I said, about two years ago, I decided to start a podcast and, uh, I started one with a buddy of mine and we were actually just doing like local high school sports, um, things that were local to the community that we lived in. And uh, there was one time he wasn't able to make the show, so we weren't going to do it. But then I started looking up and I found a local paranormal group 
got a hold of somebody and I said, Hey, would you be willing to do an interview with me? And I ended up doing a show about the paranormal group without my co-host because he was, I think he was on vacation down in Florida and we aired it anyway. And it had a good response. And then I kind of got the fever and I kept trying to push that kind of topic into, it was basically, it was, it was called beyond sports with Biggie and Bob. So, you know, uh, beyond sports, I guess you could consider, you know, UFOs and, and, and paranormal stuff. Um, but it was kind of like trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole really with that show. So I, I branched off and I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to start putting some, putting some time into doing a paranormal show. And he was fine with it. I mean, we're still good buddies today and, um, yeah, it just, it, it took off, you know, I had, uh, I had a real good, a real good early run with a couple of episodes that have, have proven to be, um, some of the most listened episodes I've had. Uh, one was, uh, episode five was, uh, dinner with a witch where I actually went and interviewed a native American, um, which, which yeah, I, I thought to that one, <laughs> that you know, crazy. I thought, I thought she was, uh, by calling herself a witch, I thought she was going to be like a shaman or a medicine woman or, or something of that nature. Come to find out she was actually a practicing witch. And, uh, you know, before that I had, uh, a family, uh, that lives very, very local to me. In fact, I knew them prior to knowing about their experience. Um, the dad had a, a Bigfoot walk out in front of them on opening day. And uh, so I actually got to go to their house and record with him and the two daughters who were both witness to a secondary sighting. And the thing that struck me, even though I knew him, I knew what character he was um, sitting there in their home Surrounding, you know, because I guess you got to kind of put it into perspective. All right. I'm, I'm going to talk to a guy about having a Bigfoot walk out in front of him on, on opening day of hunting season. Right. That could go any number of ways. Could be total bullshit. Could be, you know. Have you developed a sense for that, Eric? Because that's a question I have after this. How are you able to tell if somebody's full of shit or not? Because, I mean, a lot of these things are super, supernatural. I mean, this is. Yeah. I, okay, so. If you want um, to finish the story first, then we can get into that. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, so I sat there and I sat at their dining room table with all my equipment. I recorded with the dad. I recorded with the two daughters. The mom, the wife was still, she was there. The brother was there. And everybody sat around while we did this. There was nothing to gain by anybody. There wasn't a snicker. There wasn't uh you know, elbows nudging each other like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I sat there with the entire family and afterwards, you know, I was completely, I was completely in the, in the boat that they were telling the truth. There was no, no deception there at all. And then I got to talk to the mom. She didn't want to be a part of the interview. She did not see it. She was only there to deal with the the ramifications of three of her members of her family seeing this thing. And that was a very telling part of the show because 
I saw in her eyes when she talked about the one daughter having to go to therapy to get past seeing the red eyes every time she got near a pad of paper and a pen or a pencil, she would grab that pad and she would start drawing these eyes that she'd seen. Um, so, you know, you ask about having a gut for whether somebody's full of shit or not. Um, more times than not, before I have somebody on to do an interview with, I will have a phone call with them. And that's my vetting process. Um, I was a bouncer in a bar for several years when I was a younger man. And I, I think, you know, obviously I've had jobs where I make more money than that and have better, uh, better benefits. Well, I don't know. There, some of the benefits of being a bouncer were pretty good, but I learned so much about people. I, I talked to drunks. I talked to people that were high. I talked to people who thought they could get one over on me. I thought and I talked to people who thought they could get the better of me. I got to be very tuned in until this day. If I go to a restaurant or I'm sitting at a bar, I have to be sitting at a seat where I am facing the mass of people. I've got nothing to my back. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's like I am constantly watching people. I'm constantly assessing is this guy going to be is he going to screw up is you know are they going to get in a fight or something like that so i got really attuned to paying attention to people's um demeanor their actions the way they spoke and i think um i like to think that that has given me a bit of a a, a leg up on on talking to people who have some crazy experiences because the thing going back to this family that had seen this Bigfoot, if you pay any attention to Bigfoot at all, if you watch YouTube videos or you listen to um, watch big uh, finding Bigfoot or any of these other documentaries or anything, there are some very, there are some very key words that get used a lot, you know, tree knocks, structures, um, rock piling, things that, people who talk about it a lot tend to use. So if he was lying to me when he was talking, because at one point in the story, he's like, we were going into this wooded area that we were hunting. We were doing spring cleanup so that we could get back to the hunting area more easily throughout summer. They would, you know, basically cut laneways to get back there. And he said that they would find these sapling trees that were broke off and, Part of it was leaning towards the ground. The tip of the tree was touching the ground, and then there would be other broken limbs that would be stacked up against it, kind of looking like a picket fence, you know, a, a rudimentary picket fence. Well, if he was if he was somebody who was into Bigfoot and paid attention to the lingo that gets used, he would have been saying, yeah, we were coming across these structures, and, you know, we found prints, and we found this, and we found that the type of words that he used with me when he was trying to describe what he was seeing out there were not what you would hear coming out of somebody who had any idea of Bigfootery, you know? So, excuse me. Um, I had COVID about a month ago and the, the cough has still not left me. I apologize. Um, oh, you're good. So, you know, it's, 
yeah, I, I, I use my phone call as a vetting process and it depends. I mean, there's, there's some words that people will use. There are, um, there's a demeanor, you know, if somebody's talking to me about something that's pretty jacked up and they're just like, yeah, man. And I, you know, I was walking down the hallway and, you know, there's this, there's this shadow person, man. And it, you know, it felt like it was sucking the soul right out of my eyeballs and, you know, no, no, it wasn't. I don't believe it. I don't, you know, I don't buy it. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go on record as saying that I've had a lot of really good shows that I stand behind as being these people were not being, um, they were, they were not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. What they were talking about is something that they actually truly believe happened. I've had a couple that throughout you know, my interview style is open conversation. And I have found that that is a really good way to allow somebody to walk themselves into a corner. And if they can walk themselves out, good on you, man. But if you get stuck in that corner, my listeners, they're smart enough. They're going to realize that what I did was give this person an opportunity to flesh out <laughs> as it were uh, their story. And I, I've had, I've done that a couple of times and they're, they're aired. You aired those. I did because I do think there is a component of their story that is real and that should be enough. You know, I don't need some crazy ass wild, just thing that just goes on and on and on. You know, you can have one event that was unexplainable and doesn't make any sense. And that's fine. That's all it needs to be. And two of the people, I think, who wound up being shows that I'm, I'm afraid, I'm glad I aired them because one, I think, was a, a screen memory for an abuse that took place as a child. Oh, shit. And I really, I kicked it around. It's like, am I going to release this or not? Because I think the initial early part of the story, I think there was some truth to that. And and there was an experience had. Mm. But then, as the story went on, and... It goes on, man. I mean, it goes on. It's it's a tough one to wrap your head around. Um, the further it went, I was like, and there was a certain thing that got brought up, and it was mentioned three or four times throughout the, the recording, and it had been mentioned during the phone call. And it started to become apparent to me that it was a screen memory for him. It was, it was their way of telling a lot of people on my show that they got abused sexually mm -hmm. without coming out and having to say that. Damn. And I felt, you know, I felt a responsibility that person. I don't think they were intentionally being disingenuous with me, 
I think they were looking for an outlet to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And if that's not uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what is. So, you know, I guess in the purest sense of the word, somebody could fault me for, for releasing that episode. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'll stand behind it because I think what I did was what that person needed me to do. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm here to help people. You know, if it's, if it's you talking about an experience you had and it makes you feel good that you were able to get it off your chest, you know, like that family that I was talking about with the Bigfoot, um, I packed all my stuff up. I was getting ready to leave and, you know, both the daughters came over and gave me a hug and said, you know, it was really, it was really vindicating to be able to tell the whole story, not get interrupted and not have you look at me like I'm crazy. And this past September, um, I actually hosted uh, a Bigfoot conference called Bigfoot and Brews. And Joel and, and Sean were there um, from Kill the Mockingbirds. And that family showed up. And they went up on stage and told their story in front of 200 people. And I had Ron Moorhead. Ron Moorhead is synonymous with Bigfoot. You know, he recorded the Sierra sounds. That family went up and they, they stole the show. They were, everybody was glued to every word they were saying. Um, are, are people picked? Cause we're, ta- you know, we're talking about, I would consider, and I know we were talking about conspiracies and things earlier, but I would consider Bigfoot, some sort of conspiracy theory as well, right? Because it's paranormal. It's something supernatural. It's something that not everybody sees. I've never had an experience with Bigfoot. I did have my first UFO sighting a couple days ago, which I haven't talked about on the show yet. But is there something that, from your experience about talking about all this, is there something about those sort of people or those people that were chosen to see that is there, does, does something choose them or is there something in their DNA and their blood, like RH negative or whatever it is that they <laughs> say about it? Is there something genetic or is there something above that, that picks certain people to see certain things? And that's why only certain people see it. Not everybody. Well, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I'm going to start off by saying um, that there are, there are several camps when it comes to Bigfoot alone. You've got, you've got the apers, and the apers are people who believe that Bigfoot is a, um, a normal, undiscovered ape that is out, nothing paranormal about it, nothing, nothing that would indicate there's any relation to us as a people. Um, they're, just, they're just another thing. Which there's living. evidence, the Gigantopithecus that Joe Rogan always yeah. talks about. That, 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 was, yeah. that was real. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was real. Then you have, you have the people that believe that because of um, Native American uh, First Nation people's oral accounts of having lived side by side with these things, calling them their, uh, the brothers that live in the wood, and nearly every tribe of First Nations people in North America have a name for Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Every one of them. And that's like 500 different tribes. 
Um, if you find totem poles, many times in the totems, there will be a, a representation of them in, in the totems. Um, they, they feel that they are just as, just as real as eagles or bears or deer. But they also always say that they have one foot in our world and one foot in another world. And then you have the people who subscribe to the woo, which is the woo-woo factor is when you start having people who are experiencing the, the effects of what would seem to be infrasound uh, when they're in their presence, people talking about how they'll see them and they'll turn around and walk away, take two steps, and then they just flat out disappear. Um, you know, people talk about walking into a portal, um, you know, basically melting into a tree, um, things like that. So it, personally, my belief is I think it's more than an ape. I think it is something that is much more closely related to us, something that possibly uh, evolved alongside of us instead of with us and decided to continue to take the route of living a natural life rather than surrounding themselves by he just wants to have a buildings. family. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think there's enough, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not a boots on the ground investigator. I don't put a backpack of 80 pounds worth of stuff on my back and, go camp for a week out in the middle of the woods by myself, just try to meet up with these things. I don't. If they are real, and I believe they are, if they are the size that most reports indicate, being in the neighborhood of anywhere from seven to nine feet tall, and anywhere from six to a thousand pounds, 600 to a thousand pounds, if that is a wild animal or a wild human, I want no part of it. I don't want to be by that. <laughs> you, know, you know, what if he doesn't like the way I look? Yeah. You know, what if he, what if he, what if he takes my posture as, as an aggressive uh, behavior? You know, I don't, you know, now that's not to say I wouldn't go out and, and to a, a hot spot and, go with a group and you know hopefully get some kind of interaction with one i would in a heartbeat but you know there there's so many stories of people i i got paced basically something followed me out of the woods when i was hunting it was dark it walked when i walked it stopped when i stopped I had a bright-ass flashlight, and as I was walking back to my vehicle in a field, looking back at the tree line, I could hear this thing walking. And with my flashlight on, that thing could not have been more than 10 feet, 15 feet into the tree line. I should have seen a branches moving. I should have seen leaf litter on the floor of the, the woods moving. I should have seen something. I could hear it. It sounded like it was walking on two feet. I couldn't see a damn thing. I don't know what it was. This thing followed me 
for about 30 yards, I walked onto a piece of property that I did not have permission to hunt. It was a very interesting property. It had a little bit of wetlands in it. It had pine trees. It had a lot of turkey. It had a regular woods that was, you know, all kinds of different trees and stuff like that. It was getting close to the end of hunting light. I left my, my shotgun on the property that I did have uh, permission to hunt. And I just walked onto that other property because it was so cool. I just wanted to look around. And I got maybe 30, 35 yards. And then I saw the corner of the house outside the edge of the woods. You left your gun back at the other property? Yeah, because I didn't have permission to hunt that property. So I didn't want to get caught on somebody else's property not having permission to hunt it with my weapon. So I walked on. I looked around. I saw the corner of the house. I said, oh, that's far enough. And I turned back and I started walking back. Well, when I started walking back, I heard footsteps behind me. And, uh, you know, I about shit my pants because I was like, ah, it's the landowner, <laughs> mm. you know, but I kept my hands down at my side so you could see that I wasn't carrying my weapon. And I stood there and I waited for him to, hey, what the hell are you doing on my, you know, property? And he didn't. And so I started walking again. And I wasn't walking fast. I was just walking normal. And as soon as I take one or two steps, it started walking behind me again. And then I stopped. And it took one more step, maybe two, and it stopped. And I did it again. And it happened again. And then I got, I got the chills, man. I was like, oh, my God, this is a huge buck. And he's following me right back to my shotgun. <laughs> and... Then I got super excited. I was being optimistic, <clears throat> right? Because, I, well, Bigfoot, you know, I had already, I had had years of thinking about Bigfoot already and, and watching different shows. But at this point in time, Bigfoot wasn't in my mind. I was deer hunting. And I, I was like, this is a huge buck. This is, I'm going to turn around and this thing's going to be a 10 or 12 point buck. It's going to be the biggest damn deer any of my friends have ever seen. And I'm going to, he's going to be 10 feet away from me. I'm going to get a shot at him. And so from that point on in my head, everything was, this is a deer, this is a deer. So I start planning out. It's like, I've got, you know, a few steps to go when I get to, when I get to my, um, back onto the piece of property. I'm going to reach over with my, my left hand to pick up my shotgun, pull it up in front of my chest, raise it up with both hands till I get my hand around the, the trigger guard, and I'm going to turn at the hip to the left, and it's going to be right there behind me. And I'm just going to take a shot. That close, it would have went through the breastbone. And I got the gun up, and I started to twitch to turn to my left, and I hear this just this massive exhale of air and I hear thump thump hit the ground and it was gone. There was nothing there. I saw nothing. And I immediately took a big stride step back onto the property that I didn't have permission to be on thinking that I was going to see this big white tail deer, you know, going off into the, into the trees. And there was nothing. I didn't see a twig, wiggling back and forth. I didn't see a leaf slowly dropping back down to the floor of the, uh, the forest or anything. There was nothing. It was gone. 
nothing, nothing. You know, so then I was like, you know, it, it took me a few minutes to kind of get my bearings. I'm like, you know, kept looking, thinking that I'd see it, you know, the, the antler sticking out from behind a tree or whatever. Never did. So I had already made enough noise. I knew that there wasn't, you know, there were maybe five minutes left of hunting. So I picked up my seat, took my shotgun. I stepped out of the woods and I started walking back to my car and I walked through a field back to my car. Well, that woods that I was in was to my left-hand side. And I heard something walking alongside of me. And at this time, I, it's still a deer, right? It's That's what's in my head. And I'm shining the light, and I can hear it walking. I can hear it crunching leaves, but nothing's moving. you know. And there's enough low-lying brush that all the leaves had fallen off of that certainly I should have seen at least uh, low-lying limbs on these, on these bushes, you know, there should have been something there making that noise. And I never saw it. Yeah. I did an episode. Let's see here. Air July 27th, the 21 episode 44 of my podcast. So a while ago. Mm -hmm. And it was about, the Florida hunting trifecta hog swamp people and the skunk ape with my good friend of mine, Jeff. And Jeff was the first guy I had ever been hunting with. He was the one that introduced me to hunting, bow hunting. We bow hunt. Mm -hmm. And the idea of an animal being out in the woods that is untraceable, that is elusive, that is hard to catch. It, it, it's not too far fetched because even just hunting for hog with a feeder is hard. Yeah. Where you stage up in a blind and you wait for them to come through. That's hard because they can smell you. They can sense you. They won't right. show up. You can sit there all night and they won't show up. So the idea that there is this bipedal hominid or whatever, whatever it is, a homo, uh, uh, another homo sapien, or I don't know how you, how you, what you would call primate, whatever. Mm -hmm. That is a smart or even smarter than us. Mm -hmm. That is elusive. That can stay out of electrical fields or it's something that has supernatural power, whatever it may be. It's not too far fetched. Now I went, I went hunting one day with Jeff and what he does is he, he manages wild hogs on people's properties. Yeah. So he'll set up traps. He'll set up blinds and feeders and we'll go out and we'll sit and we'll shoot them shoot you know shoot the sow whatever it is and get rid of them and obviously we do eat the meat it's delicious and one time he took me to this property that was bordering it was a it was a golf course and it was bordering a conservation preservation area and i'm in florida so it's a whole swamp and we're sitting in the in the up in the tree and the it's the middle of the night the only light that we have we have we, we were using a crossbow that night with a with a thermo and we're up in the tree stand about 15 feet 12 feet up in the air and of course we're just talking shit and the conversation goes there hey man what would you do when i turn on this site because <laughs> it's pitch black you can't even see your hand in front of your face except for the moonlight that's coming through the trees a little bit i go hey dude what if i what if i turn this on and there's something staring back at me, dude. What would you do? Yeah. 
He goes, dude, don't start. And we're, we're it's probably like <laughs> 10 o'clock at night or something. We're just out there. He goes, dude, don't say that, man. He's like, I've, cause he goes out by himself. He's a crazy guy. He goes yeah. out there by himself. So he goes, dude, I've had a guy pull up in front of the trail cam, in front of the camera, no shirt, no shoes, with a rifle in his hand, give a thumbs up, and the next frame he was gone. So he goes, I'm more afraid of those people than I am of right. anything else. I go, would you shoot Bigfoot if Bigfoot was around? He goes, well, it's funny that you say that. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're off of I-95 somewhere in central-ish, south-ish Florida. He goes, well, about five aerial miles from here. There was a, and I know they rank the Bigfoot sightings by, they give them ranks. Anyways, yeah. it was one of the ranks where they saw him it was towards five or six o'clock in the afternoon. It was still light out and a bunch of people on the I-95 saw it. And it was about five aerial miles from where we were at. So I turn and I go, dude, you fucking brought me out here knowing that there's potentially a skunk ape somewhere. And this was when I had just watched Stacey uh, Brown Jr.'s the sure. skunk ape experiments and all this stuff. The the yeah. first one that he did, the the skunk ape one, the that was here in Florida. Yeah. And I just recently had him on too. It was a crazy episode where we talk about opening portals and and, and we, they mixed the whole paranormal with the occult. But point being that there was in that area a, a Bigfoot near where we were at. And now that you mentioned the whole stalking thing, I remember that we were at this other property that he manages, and. I had shot a hog, but I shot it through the gut, right? My sight was just a little bit off, and I got him too far back. Not Didn't hit the lungs quite how I was supposed to. And we were out tracking it, right? Because as soon as I hit it, it looked like it was going to drop right then and there. It just kind of stumbled for a second, and I was like, oh, it's about to go down now. Then the adrenaline hit. It took off and it took off in this property that's pretty pretty big and we were tracking it but when i left the blind i usually carry a 10 millimeter on my chest with a kydex holster and i have a, mm -hmm. a, a holster that goes around my back and i usually carry a 10 a glock 10 millimeter on my i'm not a glock guy so i don't know what model it is i just know it's a 10 millimeter i bought it for bears when i go fly fishing so i, I put it on my chest and for some reason i just i left it in the blind <laughs> <laughs> and we start tracking this thing and i got video of this it's really the grass is higher than we are and this motherfucker is in crocs and shorts he's a redneck he's this guy's like florida grown redneck white boy he's he doesn't care so he's on his hands and knees and we're going through all these trails of these hogs but we get to a point where again it's pitch black and we're at the center of this tree and i i don't care about snakes I don't care about pears. I don't care about any of that. The one thing that freaks me out is the spiders. All right, walking through <laughs> through a spider web or something. Yeah. And I remember that we pulled up to this tree and we're trying to find blood because it it was bleeding but not quite, right? Because when you shoot it in the gut, it, it gets clogged up. And we were looking for blood. But as we were doing that, there was like noise around us, like something in the outer perimeter because it was – the tree, and then under the tree, there was no grass. And then there was the, the wall of grass around us. And he, we hear, and I go, dude, is that a hog? Because I don't want to get hurt by a hog either. So he goes, did you bring your gun? And I looked at him, and I, I said, I, I, like I didn't. He's like, 
It's like, well, let's fucking hope that it is a hog and not something else. And I'm like, come on, dude, don't do this right now. Cause we're in the middle, of, we're in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> it was, a, it's a property that the state has. And what they do is they put chickens out there to test for different mosquito carried viruses. So they mm-hmm. had, it's like a private property, but still it was a bunch of acres. And we're out there. I'm like, come on, man. Now that you say that about being tracked by this Bigfoot, what if <laughs> so yeah. Skunk Ape just standing? Because every time we would move, it would move around. And he's like, dude, it's got to be this. <clears throat> it's got to be this hog. It's got to be this hog that's trying to find somewhere to lay low to die or whatever it is because we couldn't find it. But what if it's not <laughs> right? What if it's something more than that? Because we're in that mindset of. I'm open to an experience, right? I'm, I'm cool, but I'm I'm in the interdimensional crowd if and and that's with anything that i can't explain ufos you can't see them interdimensional bigfoot you can't see it or interdimensional and whatever whatever you know missing 401 while they've stepped and they fell through a portal right interdimensional like i always go back to that so i believe that it is something more supernatural but at the same time that's why i do have my, a journal that I that I write where I pu- I publish occult stuff in Occultist Monday, which is, means you know the hidden world. So because there mm. is a world behind, you can find this on my website, thehomepodcast.com. And the idea that we that we share this world with other things and people who are on DMT and different psychedelic drugs that they see Absolutely. entities that they talk to the same entities that various people talk to the same entities. Yeah. The idea to think that there's nothing. We're all having the same experience. Yes. Yeah. The idea to think that there's nothing more to this reality than just what meets the eye is absurd to me. There's got to be something more. So if these things that we're perceiving or or sensing, they're just walking, you know, where the veil is thinner, right? Yeah. Where where you know what I'm saying? I, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that, and and that's something that I have just started, you know, in the last uh, maybe say four or five years have has started to. Uh, be a, th- a thought process for me. And I'll, I'll give you some examples of why you talk about Bigfoot experiences. You talk about, um, uh, haunted, haunted locations, uh, chasing ghosts. Uh, you talk about extraterrestrial, um, encounters, whether it's a, a sighting of a, a UFO or, you know, potentially somebody having an encounter with a, uh, Extra bio, extraterrestrial biological entity. Um, there's a number of things that seem to that seem to flow between those different types of experiences. You know, you go out in the woods, and one of the things that Bigfooters always talk about and try to elicit a a response from them with is tree knocks. Right? You hear whack, 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 but the thing is, if you go out into the woods and you pick up a large branch and you swing it and you hit a tree with it, it's never going to sound like what the sound they make. If you want to make a sound that's very close to what you hear them do, you pretty much have to have like two hardwood bats and clank them together as hard as you can. That's the, that's the sound that you're getting when you hear a tree knock. Maybe it's not a tree knock. Why do I say that? When people investigate haunted locations, how often do you hear, we heard knocks on the wall? You know, we heard, we heard knocks. 
And it was interesting because I, I interviewed a archbishop in the old Catholic church, uh, not too long ago. I've had her on twice now. Um, Episcopalian, uh, Archbishop Christina Rake. She's also a paranormal investigator, which you're going to be like, wait, those two things don't go together. Um, but for her, it does. She is, uh, she's a professor. She, she teaches at uh, a college in Chicago. Uh, she teaches courses on demonology, angelology, theology, all kinds of stuff. And she is a paranormal investigator. What if, and this, this was what she said, what if those sounds, what if, what if that knocking noise what if the sounds of scratches on the, you know, that you don't see scratches on the wall? What about all this uh, electronic interference that people say happens? What about um, malfunctions in your cameras, malfunctions in your battery-operated equipment that you take on these things, which happens in Bigfoot investigations, it happens in hauntings? What if these are all peripheral effects of being around these things when they are entering or exiting our perceivable reality, you know, our perce- what, what we're capable of seeing, you know, we can only see in a certain range of frequency with our eyes. We can only hear in a certain range of uh, audible frequencies. There are a ton of other frequencies, higher and lower, that we cannot perceive with our ears, and there are a, a bunch of different light frequencies that we can't see with our eyes. What if these things exist or have the ability to enter in those frequencies, and that's how they move around without being seen? You have the same thing with people who have UFO experiences. Car shutting off, batteries not working, equipment, you know, <laughs> malfunctions. I saw that um, movie for the first time, Nope, after he did the episode with Joel and, and Tony yeah. and, and Sean and them. And sure. I watched that movie, and it's clear as I believe that Hollywood is indoctrinating us and showing us things, and it's clear as day that maybe how you're saying it's not what they've led on for us to believe that these things are. And it's right. something much more like something maybe organic. Yeah, it's possible. And, you know, here's the thing. When you start talking to people who have a very um, a very definite opinion on things, you run the risk of, how do I say this? Okay, and, I, and my intent is not to offend anybody. But you talk, you talk to somebody who believes that the Bible is the word of God. And if it's not in the Bible, it's not true. And it doesn't exist. And that is all there is, is what's in the Bible. You're putting yourself in a box, in my opinion. You're putting yourself in a box. Look backwards is cube, so you're putting yourself <laughs> in a cube. <laughs> to me, my God or my creator, uh, because I'm not... I'm not 100% sure what God is, um, is so much greater than what you're giving them credit for if all you're believing is what's written in that book. 
you know, uh, do I think there are nuts and bolts, physical, mechanical UFOs? I think there are. Are all the UFO reports that we we get nuts and bolts, mechanical UFOs? I don't think so. I think there are. I think there's a wide umbrella of different things that are in our skies that we are not aware of. Um, you know, my friends over at the the cryptids of the corn they talk about this. Uh, it's basically a. It looks like a manta ray that that flies through the sky. Um, it's been it's been reported to have been recorded. Um, it's not super common. Um, you know that's that's pretty bizarre. There's some you know biological looking jellyfish that have been caught on film in our skies. It's funny you mentioned jellyfish because we have the phenomena of U- UFOs being what are the what are the ones what do they call the ones that are in water? Is it USO? USO. USO. So the other night is the first time I ever saw a UFO that I can legitimately say that was a ufo i don't know what the fuck that was and i wasn't alone my wife was there and my son were there and they both saw the same thing so and my wife doesn't believe in any of this shit okay so the yeah. the fact that she was there to solidify what i saw is amazing because again i know what i saw and it i was thinking about at the moment i was outside we just got the backyard done and we, we put pavers down. I got outside furniture and all this stuff. I had hung up lights. So we're just hanging out in the backyard, you know, like a space to hang out. I was smoking a cigar. And I was. That's a good night, man. Yeah. I was thinking about how next week I'm going to be interviewing Mike Cleland with the UFO and owl phenomenon, which I've also out hunting have had weird experiences with owls too. Yeah. And. That whole thing. I was thinking. I was thinking about that. I was just hanging out, just thinking like, "Wow, I'm, next week I'm going to be interviewing him. It's going to be cool." Because I was, you know, in my backyard. There's like a, some woods that borders this property, and every now and again I'll hear owls. And I've talked to another friend of mine. He's like, "Well, they're they're trying to tell you something, right?" I'll hear the owls, but it's not always. It's every now and again I'll hear an owl. And I was just thinking about that. And my son is looking up at the sky, and he goes, "Hey, Dad, what's that?" Now, as soon as I looked up, I saw this orb. It was kind of orange orb. Mm. And as soon as I looked up, I said, yeah, what is what is that? And my wife goes, oh, it's a drone. And I go, "Okay," except it's not making any noise. And it's it's zip. It's moving. You know, I'm saying it's moving. And I got it just when it was right above me and I followed it. And we're all like, what the fuck is that? And then as soon as it just. And I looked at her and go, we just saw a UFO. <laughs> it was the, crazy, the rest of the night, bro, I was like this, like trying to fight. Because I thought to myself, too, I go, how many things are in the night sky that we aren't able to see because we don't have night vision goggles or, or thermal or whatever? And there's people who I know, who, and I've been meaning to buy some night vision goggles, except that they're frick for like four thousand dollars so i'm like ah I'm, what am i gonna be sitting at night just looking up on my four thousand yeah. dollar goggles so i haven't ever bought it but i know people who have they're like yeah do you see the craziest stuff so as soon as we saw it because we live by an airport i was like okay maybe it's it was it was just new year's maybe it's just 
a balloon or a, a, a rogue balloon, but a balloon goes up and you and, and you could tell it. No, this thing was bro was zipping by. And my my son again, I don't know if it was a combination of me thinking about it manifested it plus my son being there because there's something about kids too right that they have this hyperactive imagination plus him being there because he was the one that first saw it right and like maybe we were sharing this peek into the other side together because we're all kind of genetically linked right not me and my wife but my son is that that link the, the third right. link right where we he has both our genetics so who knows what and maybe what your wife too through a, a spiritual connection so who who knows? I mean, and it was the most surreal thing I had ever seen. I'm like, holy shit, because I I have I'd seen what I call a UFO in Homestead, Florida, which it's next to a naval base, whatever. I had stepped outside, and I seen something just duck behind the houses real quick. That's it. That's all I saw. I was like, oh, maybe it was a bird, maybe it was something. Else. But it was like again, like this flash of light, just boom, go really quick. And I I, I you don't have time to take out your phone. You don't have time to. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc yeah so i just processed it and, my, and I, I got my son's reaction after the fact right a four-year-old boy i just saw a ufo i'm like what'd you see he told he's like he it was a it was a ball and it was and it felt organic almost like like how you're saying this jellyfish clear yeah. orange and that was the first time I had ever seen like it because I'm a skeptic, bro. Right. And I'm open again. I'm open to having an experience. Now, I've I've always I've talked about on the show before my my sleep paralysis episodes. I haven't had them in a in a very long time, probably a year. But growing up, I had a lot of sleep Did paralysis, you? but I had the sleep paralysis and the feeling of dread, but I never saw any entities. I never saw the shadow people, except for one time, a day before going to Coral Castle, where I thought I saw like an alien gray in front of me for a split second. And because I was, I'm able to, since I've had it so much, able to really pop myself out of sleep paralysis because I'm so used to it. Yeah. That as soon as I see I'm in it, I'm able to really jerk myself out of the, because I hate, <laughs> I hate that mm -hmm. feeling where yeah. you're there, you're laying like a freaking fish and you're just like looking around. And sometimes I, I've tried to hang, hang out in that state, but it's just that feeling of, of dread that just comes over you. And yeah, I've, I've only experienced sleep paralysis twice. Um, and, and the most recent one was maybe in the neighborhood of a year ago. And the first time it was, it was, it wasn't much different than, you know, like just every limb having you know like when your arm falls asleep that's pretty much what it seemed like and it was uh, there was nothing um nothing scary about it there was no I, I had no sense of dread or anything 
the last time about a year ago when I woke up, my mouth wasn't even working. I woke up to the sound of myself going, and I went to try to move my arm and it wouldn't move. My heart was pounding like crazy. I was, I was labored at my breathing. So I was, you know, like on the, on the border being out of breath and the noise that I was making was the noise of somebody who would have been bound and gagged, unable to, unable to speak and terrified. And that, that one was a weird one for me. I was like, I still don't know what to make out of that. You know, was that a, was that a terrible dream? And was I screaming in my, in my dream, but I just, you know, my mouth wasn't open. So I was just making noise. Um, that, that was, that was terrifying. Yeah, it is a scary feeling. And I have people who tell me they see shadow people during sleep paralysis and all these things. I ha- I did have a, a waking dream not too long ago where I remember sitting up on the side of my bed in the morning. And then next thing I know, I'm laying again, getting back up again. <laughs> <laughs> again, I could have been disoriented and it was just me actually went back to sleep. But it was the craziest thing because I have this ritual that I do. I get up, stand on the side of the bed. Right. The older you get, the, the, the more lethargic you are in the morning. Everything's crack. Everything's sore. So <laughs> as soon as I got, I always sit on the side of my bed because if I get up too quickly, I get a headache. So, right. Yeah. So I'll hang out. And then I remember get, getting up again. I go, wait, wasn't I just up again? Like it was, it was a weird feeling. And I've tried astral projection. I've tried this technique that I read about. I call it the the blue dick technique. It's called the skull fuck method. And it's I've, I've been told that it's a yogic masonic technique whatever it is but long story short you picture this blue ethereal dick going up your body as you're laying down in the dead man but and it sounds weird bro but hear me out eric i know it sounds <laughs> fucking <laughs> bizarre I'm not sure that's for me dude <laughs> yeah so and, I, and i've had people like bro what are you talking about on my podcast like trust me i just i read it somewhere i was like all right and you picture this this thing going up and you from your legs all the way up and it's illuminating your your entire body as it's coming up and it, you're picturing it, everything turning blue until it inserts itself into the base of your skull right you know you have you ever seen a skull it's got like that insert mm-hmm. at the bottom and what that's supposed to do is it's supposed to aid you in in remembering your dreams now I'm not an occultist. Sure I want to remember those. <laughs> I'm not an occultist. I'm not an alchemist. I re- I'm an occult researcher, esoteric researcher, whatever. I tried this, Eric, and I am not lying to you. I have probably 98% recollection of my dreams. It's the craziest thing. I'm going. I'm it, going. Yes, because what happens is when I smoke, right, devil's lettuce electric lettuce whatever you want to call it i don't dream yeah i don't i don't i don't dream yeah and i was sober for a little bit until just recently i was sober for probably two three months and i was dreaming again and dude i can i remember my interactions in my dream i remember who was in my dream i remember everything that happens and it feels like i remember from the time i go to sleep to the time i wake up 
And I remember the first dream I had after doing this technique that I woke up in the morning. I was like, oh, my. I told my wife, I was like, it's the craziest thing ever. I remember it was I was hanging out with my cousin and we were going around and it was like this outside movie theater. We were sitting in these chairs like these, you know, the, the you know, the pool chairs that they have that lay all the way back. We were there and there was this Chinese movie playing for some reason. And then we went to this picnic and I was thinking about Bigfoot at this picnic. And then Bigfoot showed up, bro. Bigfoot started fucking everybody up. And I remember that I kept saying to myself, I go, because people heard me talking about Bigfoot to my cousin. And then everybody else started talking about Bigfoot. And we kind of sort of manifested Bigfoot. So I'm telling my cousin, I go, if everybody would have just minded their own fucking business instead of thinking about Bigfoot when I did, then we wouldn't be in this situation. Because Bigfoot just started, he started, he started shooting a 22 at us. So it was like this crazy. <laughs> there's like the the roles were reversed type of thing where yeah. like Bigfoot was shooting He's me, on you. <laughs> and I've had that dream like twice, dude, where Bigfoot is shooting at me like a gun. It's 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 a weird weird dream, but yeah, I know it sounds really bizarre, but I read it in this because again, I have this this library of sacred texts. It's like a whole bunch of. It's like more than. 5,000 books or something like that. And you do yeah. like a random file generator. Sometimes I'll do that just to get a topic for a show or like my next research thing. And that popped up out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. It doesn't sound too crazy, but who knows? I mean, it reminds me of the blue guy from Watchmen where he's like the blue guy. So who knows if I invited him to fuck me in my dreams or something like that. And he, <laughs> that's why I'm able to re- recollect recollect all my dreams. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, I've talked about that before. And people are like, what are you on, bro? I promise you. Just It doesn't have to be a blue dick. It can be whatever you want. Just it just it That's what I read it as. So I tried it as I read it. And apparently it's an effective method. I don't know. <laughs> that's a... Uh... That's a new one on me. <laughs> Being able I, I, to, I'm not even quite sure what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, I mean, it's because I, I read about all this occult stuff, and and not saying that I'm gonna try any of it because I do believe in a God. I, I have a Christian background, Pentecostal Christian, so I was raised with, you know, you open up yourself to these sort of things, and I've I've I haven't witnessed, but I remember my grandma telling me about possessions and her doing even exorcisms of, of things that are that take over people and i've just heard stories of being in the you know being in church for so long being in the worship group and just seeing things so i do believe that there is something that people are susceptible to and 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 the people who mess around with the occult and all this stuff like for example stacy brown jr where they're taking psychedelics and trying to invoke this experience with a big yeah. fuck, I go, dude, you're a crazy mf'er, man. Because yeah, I, I don't know. You know, anytime I've ever talked to anybody that has messed with psychedelics, you know, the the main thing that I've I've always been told, and I've not done it myself, is that you need to be in a good headspace to do it. Um, because the last thing you want to do is um. Have you um, seen his his documentary? They go to the Crowley House here in Florida. And there's a dude I have up- not seen the newest one. I saw the first one. No, watch the newest one, bro. <laughs> it's wild. The Skunk Ape Experiments. Look, just watch it. It's the wildest thing. And I mean, the, the episode I'm going to do with him, we talk about it all. But the idea that they're, they're trying to bring this. Because, again, there's that 
skinwalker aspect of it that the indigenous people brought this forward and they they cursed another land you know another rival tribe tribe with it and you know this is some black magic aspect to it so there's that that point of view from it and the idea of using psychedelics to try and channel something or even open up a portal is not for me man it's not for me no no you know i love talking about this stuff and i have no problems talking to people who have had dark experiences i've i've had a dark experience um but i don't dwell in that side of it um i i prefer to to stay on the lighter um you know um i was born and raised catholic not practicing now i have a a strong spirituality um i talk to my creator um you know i I think that your your christian faith and mine are probably very very similar uh throughout the the trunk of our our beliefs very loose but yeah it's still there (laughs) yeah so um you know i i have no problem talking to people that have have dark things but I absolutely will not uh, entertain delving into that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go someplace and and investigate uh, a house that's got some activity. Um, I will not turn a REM pod on or a K2 meter on in my home. I don't want that here. This is my place. This is this yeah. is my haven. You know, this is this is my fortress. So. Um, I'm not interested in anything being here. Uh, I don't want anything to follow me. I don't, I don't want those kind of issues. I, I, I had a, a period in my life where those things were around me and it, it led to, it led to the demise of a relationship. Um, so I, I stay on the light side of things and, and I'm good there. Um, I've never used a, a Ouija board. Mm. Um, you know, some people say that they're nothing. Some people claim that they, you know, all hell breaks loose after they used it and didn't mm. close it. Right. I'll take both of your words for it. <laughs> I don't need to find out for myself. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's it. And that's why I don't go to, to, for example, the Skinwalker Ranch, even though I know people who have property, then they've told me because yeah. like, oh yeah, let's go. It's it looks like fun, but then there's the hitchhiker effect, yeah. where it's like, what if you bring something back because you're in this place where the veil is thinner, you have something jump through and latch on to you? Because Stacy invited me to go to this this haunted this old rocket testing facility down. I know where it's at. When he told me about it, I'm like, I know where that attack is. I fished the, the Everglades by there. And speaking of open areas that I think there's portal activity. I mean, the, the Everglades, when you're out there, dude, mm-hmm. there's a whole different energy towards it. There's a, there, it's like you're stepping into another dimension. Almost, almost feels like, cause it's a, something about, right. Jesus was tempted in the desert. The Jin live in the desert. Well, yeah. The swamp is an open area with water. Water retains information. 
what if and you know you have the whole phenomena of ball lightning well that's i think that there's some portal activity out there and i and dude there's stories of the skunk ape there's stories of the florida pig people there's all types of stories Mm -hmm. of things that happen and i've heard i mean i've again i and i've been with whenever i experience something i've always been with somebody and i remember one time we were out in the everglades down before the keys this is deep for the tip of florida the very tip of it and we sound something that sounded like a bear it sounded like a bear in the middle of the fucking ever but if you think about i mean there's boa constrictors that get up to feet i mean the crocodiles the, the alligators out there are huge yeah. so the fact that there's a bear or something but i mean i looked over at my friend i go friend joe I go, did you hear that bro he goes yep i go sound like a bear right yep <laughs> yep because we don't know what it was right it, it we heard it in the distance and we, it was just us out there so who knows what it what it could have actually been and it's just open land open thousands of acres just open land and i love i love being out there dude i love being out there and i remember going to tennessee and i hired a guide to go to Speaking of open areas, I hired a guide to take me fly fishing in the Rocky Mountains. In the smoke, smoke, no, Rocky Mountains is called Smoky. Smoky Mountains. And him and I are just out there. There's no phone service. It's just us and the roaring of the stream. It's amazing. I love that. I slept like a baby that night. And something about me just want to take my freaking shoes off and just plant my feet on the, on the rocks. These huge boulders. Yeah. And him and I are just going back and forth and just talking and we're trying to catch little rainbow trout. And I remember asking him, I go, Hey dude, you ever seen anything crazy out here? You ever experienced a Bigfoot or anything? And I've hit him up to come on and he, he looks at me. He's like, he starts looking. I goes, somebody set you up. Somebody, somebody set you, uh, somebody put you, he said, somebody put you up to this. Why are you asking me this? Like almost like interrogate. I was like, no, dude, I, I got a podcast, man. I just talk about this sort of stuff. You know, I'm interested in Bigfoot and stuff. He goes, dude, I've seen Bigfoot five times. I go, five times, dude? I go, no way, bro. Because when I was out there, you feel like you're being watched. I mean, that, that, that's to be real. It feels like some, you know, when somebody's looking at you, you look up at them, you make eye sure. It feels like you're always being watched out there. And that's what I felt like. So I asked him, I go, hey, dude, do you ever experience anything? And he got real defensive real quick. I'm like, he's like, somebody at the shop told you about something? I'm like, no, dude, I just, I'm curious. I've seen it five times ago. And I go, well, maybe you saw an, a deer running or you saw a a a bear on its hind legs walking and you, and you thought it was, because again, I'm a skeptic. He goes, no, dude, like a linebacker just straight up, just charging through the woods. And what he does is he takes these shallow river boats or whatever it is, and they go up these streams and even more isolated areas than where we were at. We were in the in the national park area, and he goes, "Yeah, dude, out there you see some, you feel some crazy shit. You see some crazy stuff." And it's just I've seen it five times. And I after the fact, I had hit him up because I had his number to come on the show to talk about it, but never never answered, never answered me back, bro. Well, you know the whole thing back. with you know that that feeling of being watched. That is a that is a real thing. That's a provable thing. You can do it yourself. Sit there and stare at somebody. At some point, they're gonna they're gonna look at you. Um, it's part of sniper training in the military. 
Yeah. To to do what? To look to at somebody? Avoid, to avoid staring at someone through a scope or through binoculars for pro- prolonged periods of time. Really? Because there is the potential that it's going to draw their attention to your position. Yeah, because the observer effect is a real thing. I mean, we know yeah. that the, the double slit experiment matter <clears throat> acts differently when it's being observed. So the idea that you act differently when you're being, it's like somebody, somebody sitting down and watching you work. I hate that shit. Yeah. It's like, no, get out of my face. Don't, don't sit in yeah. front of me and, and go do your thing. Yeah. Go don't do your do thing. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> leave, leave me alone. I hate that when they'll sit there and just, yeah, I hate that. So yeah, dude, I don't know, man. I, I think that there's more. When it comes to the paranormal, I don't really talk about it too much because to me, it's not that it's cheesy, but I just feel like well, the pro- the problem with it is that there's no science to to lean yourself against, you know. But like, what is even science, Eric? I think science is magic. We just they just put a different label. Seance, you know. Trust I'm, the seance. I'm, trust the science. Yeah, I, I won't argue with that. But you know, like going back to the Bigfoot community. So you've got a couple of people who are uh, like Jeff, Jeff Meldrum. He's a, a doctor of uh, anthropology. He, he discovered the, the, the morphology of the footprints, and he's able to um, pretty much tell real footprints from fake footprints. And he's been steeped in this for, you know, 30 years or whatever it is. Um, he's an aper. He believes these things are an undiscovered ape. He's got science to lean against because he can he can scientifically prove that the footstep that is in the mud that they took a cast of has a bone structure. It has tendons. It has muscles. It has splay to the toes. It has all these things that he can stand by scientifically. You know, and Cliff Berrickman, who is on uh, Finding Bigfoot, and now they have their podcast, Cliff and Bobo. Um, he's not he's not an academic in that same sense, but his stance is very much the same. He will only talk about and only really entertain portions of evidence that he can lean against science to say that they they exist. And I get that. You know, having that crutch of of science um, is probably pretty steadying when you're talking about this kind of stuff. When you start talking about the the weirder aspects of what people experience when they're around these things, what do you do with that? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, how do, you can't you can't prove that this thing disappeared while you were looking at it. You can't prove that, uh, you know, there were glowing orbs in the woods just prior to you seeing this thing that's not supposed to exist, you know? Um, so that I think that's why, you know, here's my thing. With these, with these things being real and, and having more acute attuned senses and possibly more senses than what we have. Imagine yourself thousands of years ago, sleeping next to a fire with a spear in your hand, a loincloth around your junk. And maybe if you're lucky, a, a furred piece of skin 
to lay under and keep you warm. You've got a mate. You've got one or two children. You've got other people in your tribe who are all sleeping around the same fire. Do you think that with the presence of predators in your area, do you think that you're going to be able to sleep with anything more than one eye open at all times? Somebody's going to have to, somebody in the group's going to have to stay awake during the night to make sure that the wolves don't come in or the mountain lions don't come in and take off with your, you know, one of your children. You've got kids. So I take you back to when those kids were, were brand new. You get dad ears, right? Every sound that they make, you become very accustomed to immediately. And if they make a sound that doesn't sound right or that you don't recognize, boom, you're on it. Moms are even more, you know, mommy ears and daddy ears, man. You can't, <laughs> you can't get away with nothing when you're a little kid because your parents are super tuned in. When you, when you don't hear them, you go, yeah, you stop for a yeah, second. What's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what if when we were in that loincloth and that, that bearskin rug, uh, sleeping with our spear. What if our, our senses were way more attuned? What if we maybe even had more senses? What if what if our our sixth sense was that sense of premonition that 200 yards away, walking through the woods, out of our sense of sound, out of our sense of vision, we become acutely aware that there is a predator in our midst. We've had walls around us. We've had windows that we can close. We've had doors that we can lock. We don't have to worry about the rain falling on us. We turn on the heat when we get cold. We turn on the air conditioning when we get hot. We don't have to worry about any of that. We don't have to walk for days to get to water. We can jump in a car and go drive to the store and buy a case of water. What do you think we were like back then? I think that we were much more attuned to our environment and the possibility of us having extrasensory perception, I think was, which was much greater. I think that, you know, our, our building buildings around us and putting roofs and windows around us and doors that we can lock, we don't need those anymore. So genetically we've, we've pissed those out and we don't need them anymore. You know, I don't I don't think it was something that the government did to us or, you know, I don't think it's a conspiracy of any kind. I just think naturally throughout time, we don't have those things anymore. But if Bigfoot is real and they live in the woods and they've chose to stay away from the route of like what we did. And they continue to live in the trees and they continue to live a life of seclusion and they learn that it's the only, the only really good times to come out is at night because it's less likely that somebody's going to see you. They've got to be around us to know enough that we absolutely screw the pooch on everything that we touch. We ruin, you know, beautiful woods. We, we ruin waterways. We pollute everything that we touch. We shoot each other on the streets you know, you know, my experience, whether it was a Bigfoot or not, 
you know, it was 12, 12, less than a quarter of a mile from a high school, less than 500 yards away from houses, you know, and to me to look back at that and it's like, nah, I couldn't be, but then flash forward five or six years and I have an interview with a guy who lives not 10 minutes from that place. And he had them at his home. And I went to their house and I interviewed him. And I sat there in front of their wife and the kids and him. And nobody was lying. So, yeah, you know, I think they're around. I think they're around and I think they're a lot closer than what we uh, really accept. You got to take into account, too, there's something called phenomenology where... It's any experience that is real to you is going to, it's real to you. It doesn't matter if nobody else believes you. And that's why like I'm on the fence about all this because what I talk about on my show is for example, the cathedrals or the cathedrals were there to induce a phenomenological experience. So when people were in there is to warp their perception alter their reality as they're in there so they have a supernatural or well you look at the stained glass so when you exactly. stand in front of stained glass mm-hmm. cathedrals exactly. and the sun comes through it how different is that from what these people are seeing when they're on DMT you, or you some take, kind of hallucinogens yeah. you take the vibrations and the resonance and everything that's going on there all the yeah. the musical so all that I believe in that and so that's why I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater and I go, okay, well, the paranormal is kind of corny to me because I feel like in the community, there are probably a lot of people who are in it just for the clout and just to say, because mm-hmm. anybody could say, hey, yeah, I saw a Bigfoot or whatever. And, yeah. and it's up to the people who can discern that it's actually bullshit and those who, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's up to those people to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But the idea that somebody can just come out and say that they've experienced that, that's what turns me off about like, like sometimes I'll listen to a show like Tony's or whatever other show where it's stories. But the thing is, everybody loves a good story, right? So this is why these po- these podcasts are so popular, because when there's these people telling their story, which which some are crazy. It's talking to how you're saying these ancestral roots that we have. It's talking to our ancestors that were in front of that bonfire living mm-hmm. in some cave or something somewhere. It's talking to that deep down inside of our DNA somewhere. It's talking to that. And that's why people are so drawn into like, wow, give us more, give us more. Cause at the end of the day, it's just a story. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a story of, of an experience that somebody had or whatever it may be. But that's why I think that those things are so popular because it captivates people's attention when somebody really knows how to tell a story nicely in their experience in an eloquent and, and efficient way that's what it's tapping into that ancestral root of, you know, our ancestors sitting around that campfire watching for that bobcat or that bear or that skunk ape, whatever it is Mm -hmm. at the edge of that bonfire light, right at the edge of that fire. Just outside of the light. Yes. You know, I want to jump back real quick to something you said way back at the very beginning. You, you were basically asking me, um, is there something about these people that have these experiences or something, you know, in their DNA that makes them different? Is it the blood type or, you know, something uh, of that nature? I can tell you from myself that 
when I went on to Tony's to talk about the the episode I did with the witch, which if you haven't, if your listeners haven't heard it, man, if you're going to listen to anything of mine, <laughs> that that would be episode five, dinner with a witch. Yeah. Um, but then he realized, you know, he had read my email and he's like, man, you've had a lot of experiences with a lot of different stuff. He's like, how about we, you help me out a little bit and we do a, a members only episode where we talk about, you know, all your other stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, and that's the first time. And I've had some of my listeners say, you really need to do a show where you do what you did on Tony's paid member show where you talk about all the stuff you had. And I, I may end up doing that. I, I think, I think at this point now, the, the people that I have with me that are listening to me understand that I've had a number of experiences in my life. And that's why I am, this is going to sound arrogant, but that's why I'm good at talking with people who have had experience because a lot of times I can relate. Um, but to, to come out and, and sit there for an hour and a half and, and talk about all the things that I've had happen throughout my life. <laughs> it's like, well, now that I've said it out loud, I sound like an absolute wacko, you know, it's 57 years worth of accumulation of, of weird things. Um, but I'm going to own it. It it's, it's stuff that happened. It's, it's weird. It's some of it's been scary. Um, rarely terrifying, definitely eye opening. And at the end of the day, I think it makes me, I'm not going to say a better person, a more, a more well-rounded, open, accepting and less judgmental brain than, than if I didn't have those experiences. Am I open? Am I more open to having experiences? Is there something in my nature, in my makeup that, that makes me more open to these? Sometimes I wonder, and this is, this is getting a little weird, but you know, if you talk about, if you read or look into paranormal experiences, if your child has had an imaginary friend and there's been kids whose imaginary friends are, are very impactful and very meaningful to those kids. What if there's actually something there? What if they're seeing something, you know, when a child is born, their skull is not fully formed. Is the pineal gland real? Science shows that it is. Where's it located? Right above and between our eyes. When a child's skull is not fully formed, where is their skull the thinnest? The soft spot in their forehead. So during that time, when they're young and their skulls are growing together and becoming 
as thick as what they're going to be for their life. Maybe they're more open. Maybe they, maybe their perception of what's beyond that veil that we don't see anymore is way more clear than what we have a perception of. If you have a parent or parents that say, hey, Johnny, there is nobody there. Quit playing with Tommy. Tommy doesn't exist. Here's a teddy bear instead. I don't want to hear you say Tommy's name again. You know, well, if you shut a kid down, maybe you're closing that off. Maybe that follows them through the rest of their life. I don't really remember my parents ever. I know they used to get annoyed with me if I was scared of UFOs when I was trying to fall asleep or if I was scared that Bigfoot was going to reach through the the bedroom (laughs) window and pull me out when I was trying to fall asleep. I know they got annoyed with me. You know, mom, I'm scared. Dad, I'm scared. Can I sleep in your room tonight? You know, I'm sure they wanted to do other things other than have their kids sleeping in their room with them. But what if what if that is one of the things that closes people off? I've always been open. You know, I don't think my parents ever really were like, um, they didn't ever say, oh, yeah, 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 you know, you, you should keep looking into this. Or, oh, yeah, ghosts are real. They were never those parents, but they never told me to stop. And and maybe that's why I've remained open to the possibility of these things. Growing up Pentecostal, where you have people, glossa alia, however you say it, they, they, they speak in tongues. I've seen people mm-hmm. faint. I've seen all sorts of crazy stuff. I've seen the Holy Spirit take over people. So growing up with that and growing up with in Puerto Rico with stories of Bigfoot, or not Bigfoot, I'm sorry, the Chupacabra trying to get inside of people's houses through their shutters and I remember friends of my dad that would stay up at night at their ranches trying to figure out what was sucking the blood out of their animal, out of their livestock, leaving them dry. I remember growing up being a kid listening to those stories. I remember there was another story, too. When I would stay at my mom's brother's house, my uncle, there was a time when something, and this is when Chupacabra was hot, but before it became what it's, what it's now, this canine, no, no. When I grew up in Puerto Rico was this reptilian alien being that was going around the island at my uncle's house. There was this spot behind a wall where something like punched almost like punch was like when you punch something, it leaves a crater was I'm talking about a cement wall. I remember my uncle showing I was there when he was showing it to other people. It was like, well, something came by and something, you know, swung on the wall and punch, I heard it punch the wall. It was so crazy stuff and then right down the road there there was a river where they would say that they would see this lady in white always standing at the side of the because you get these same sort of myths in the areas and lore while the lady in white that is always that she drowned in the river so there was a river by his house that sort of stuff i grew up around that but i similar to how you like your parents never discouraged you well my parents didn't either and my grandma was the one that always talked about freeing people of demonic possessions and, and things. And I, I believe in that. I do believe that people are susceptible through maybe the use of substances or something else where some people are just, they just have this little thing that attaches themselves. I don't know. 
But, you know, when you start talking to people who practice yoga and, and, um, you know, Buddhism and, and these, these, uh, these types of existences that rely on meditation and raising your vibration and, and all that stuff, it seems at least from, you know, what I've, I've been aware of, read of, um, you know, when you raise your vibrations through various different techniques, it's, it's a, it's a way to help your spirit, your chakras, you know, your guardian angel too. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's this way of you ascending to becoming something more than what you are now, you know, now, whether that's to become a light being or whether that's to become, you know, closer to God or whether that's, you know, to be, uh, closer to the, the the aliens or, you know, whatever it is, they all seem to do a similar thing to get achieve the same result. Um, and lately I've, I've run across a couple of articles that say when, you know, you know, alcohol will lower your vibrations, smoking will lower your vibrations, you know, eating unhealthy food will lower your vibrations and and it makes it more difficult you for you to achieve that that process of ascension is that true i i don't know mm-hmm. it makes sense and if you look at the cultures that that do that kind of stuff as a part of their daily um their daily routine as it's a part of their culture i mean it's ingrained in them um you know, Buddhist, or um, I keep saying Buddhist. I mean, uh, you know, like these monks that, uh, you know, they they practice their uh, saying, repeating their mudras or mantras. Yeah, or... Or mantras, and you know, all those are doing are creating a repeating frequency. You know, maybe it's not what they're saying. Maybe it's the sound that what they're saying is creating the frequency that they're achieving by saying that, you know, why are they always in these big, vast rooms that have, you know, an echoing uh, resonance to them? And why are there always, you know, a hundred of them all doing, repeating the same thing? You know, I saw a video of a guy with a didgeridoo, you know, from, (laughs) from Australia and he was blowing this specific sound and there was a piece of, a piece of rock on the floor of his apartment or whatever it was. And as he continued to blow this consistent tone that was creating this vibration and this frequency, he literally was able to pick up that stone with the vibration of that didgeridoo and carry it across the room and then place it on a, on a, some kind of a drum. Um, you know, now was it a heavy stone? I don't know, but whatever it was that he picked up, there was there was something to it you know so vibration frequency i think that has a lot to do with everything that we're we're experiencing whether or not uh you know it's your your attempt to uh, become closer to god or whether it's an experience you've had with a an extraterrestrial being or um i just i think it's all interconnected i don't think they're all from the same place you know, you know, people talk about um, having deja vu. 
I read an article that was talking about um, quantum quantum theories and you know the possibility of uh, uh, an infinite number of parallel existences stacked up just like if you were to hold a book up on its side all of the pages running right next to each other and if each one of those pages was a nearly identical experience to the page before it or after it only there's just that one little certain thing that's different about it if that if we find ourselves whether it's by frequency or location or vibration where we experience something that is a deja vu, what wouldn't that be bizarre if what we're really doing is having a recall of ourselves in another dimension or another parallel universe already having experienced that? You know, I mean, when you talk about this stuff, it's, it's nuts. You know, and when you say it out loud, you're like, ah, shit, did I just say that? Because <laughs> that sounds really crazy. Listen, dude, but- I've some of my, my biggest my biggest presentations have been about making a homunculus. So you, you're preaching to the choir. I, I, I've talked about some crazy shit on the show. So. <laughs> you know, and I think it's I think it's all valid. You know, I mean, people who listen to this stuff. If there's one thing that I said in one of the different subjects that we talked about that you were like, oh, shit, that makes sense. I never thought about that before. That might It might not change your belief. It may not change your paradigm. And I feel that same way when I have an, a guest on my show. But what it does is because I accept it, it doesn't mean that I now believe it. But if I take it, I now have a different perspective to look at the same thing that I've already been looking at through my eyes. Now I can look at it through the perspective of somebody else who sees it differently. It might fit my, it might not fit mine, but I think I'm better off for having that than if I didn't. And I think that's, what's so great about doing these shows. Yeah, man. And I've had fun. I enjoy your show. I enjoyed our. I enjoyed our talk, and you've been killing it, man. I, I, I use your show as a disconnect from all the other crazy shit and occult stuff that I listen to. I like to unwind and separate myself after doing deep research on whatever subject. I like to listen to a comedy show or something paranormal or something else that's not related to what I've been researching and your show is one of the ones i go to to listen to somebody's experience with man i appreciate that 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 means a lot something you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah that means a lot man i really i really appreciate that so eric where can people find you man i am everywhere um apple podcast spotify overcast cast this cast that any of the big uh podcast providers you can find me at uncomfortable there's a number of uncomfortable podcasts. Best way to search is search uncomfortable Eric. And that's going to come up with my black and white logo. It's a lowercase U uppercase N. And then underneath it, it says comfortable. Um, coming up on two years, February 14th will be my two year anniversary. And it's been growing. It's been growing 
absolutely have a great, great following of people, man. I get uh, the the thing that I did not expect that I really enjoy about this is the number of people, whether it be listeners or guests who interact with me on a pretty regular basis, you know, whether it's uh, messaging me on uh, Facebook or in Instagram, um, some have my phone number and uh, we'll have text messages going back and forth. Just the great people, you know, and they're all open-minded and they're all, they're all critical thinkers. And that's, that's the thing, I guess, at the end of the day, the takeaway for me is if I can help encourage somebody, somebody to look at a subject that they might normally just kind of roll their eyes at, just open your brain and take a critical look at it. Because I think once you start using your critical mind, some of these things aren't as hard to imagine being possible. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. So, uh, you can see I've got uh, the studio looks like it might be set up for the possibility of some video coming up here uh, in the near future. So I might be I might be dabbling in that as well. So do it, man. Yeah, do it. Start a YouTube channel, post it, and just grow it. I've I just hit my three year mark, and it's just I'm just now getting started. So 23 is going to be a crazy year. The grow the show has grown crazy the, the, this past year. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. And I got some big things planned for this year. So stay tuned for those. People know where to find me, the11podcast.com. Coltus Mondays on there. The comic book is on there. Follow the Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, rockfin.com slash the11podcast, patreon.com slash the11podcast. All that good stuff. And Eric, you killed it today, man. We enjoyed our conversation. And hopefully I'll have you on again soon. I would love to and may, may end up having to have you on mine as well. Maybe I'll delve into that conspiracy stuff. So start thinking about some, uh, some pretty good ones. Yeah, bro. We'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. So as always, catch you guys on the other side.
Jesus, I'm a chimera Looking at these gold years flying by by fair false They cutting it off of the food too Analytics they use to recruit you War is a painting that sets on your sun too They don't want the individual just to carve a copy You spitting that man a cotty, yeah, I'm talking saucy All they want to build is a prison world full of pet Tamagotchis They've been kamikaze, got me out of body like I'm Goku SS3 They want to push me to the center like a cell They want to spin up at the center of the nexus, me.